The Avtaira Pasha has told us there's always two things you want to know. Firstly, who is speaking, which Navi. And we also want to know the connection to the Pasha and what the Navi is trying to tell us that's related till today. I, just as an introduction, understand that the 24th form of the Navi we have is what percentage you think of what the Navi said. 0.000, right? Imagine the Navi lived for sure a period of 100 years, probably much more than that. Well, with the Shaiftim and the Nevi'im, why is it that, you know how many Nevi'im there were? The Gemara tells us it was Keflayim Yetzim Mitzrayim. It's a million two hundred. So, how many do we know of? Forty-eight. Seven Nevi'ais. That's it. That's interesting, by the way. The Gemara lists all 48 Nevi'im and seven Nevi'ais. Just an interesting thing. Not part of the Shir. Avram recognized Hashem when he was 48. Sarah recognized Hashem, Chazal tells us, when she was seven. Interesting thing to point out, there happened to be this 48 Nevi'im and seven Nevi'im. So you can, make, you can decide if they're connected or it's just random. Okay? Give your homework. But uh, that's, those are the numbers that are factual. You can take it as you want. But okay. So firstly, it's, Mal, it's Malachi. <laughs> anyone know who Malachi is? Does anyone know when he lived? So Malachi was the very last Navi. Okay, when did he live? This Nevoah is taking place after Klaizro returns from Golis and has the second base of Mikdash. Klaizro was in one of the worst times ever. It's a terrible thing. Klaizro at the time, just to give you the background before I tell you who the Navi was, because the Navi is a little complicated, who it was. It's a three-way Machlekes. And the Gemara. I don't want to try to guess. If I, now that I told you the error, I don't want to try who it was. So tell me by a second. One is Mordechai Hatzadik. Little, little Purim atmosphere here. The other one was Ezra Hasefer. Okay. And who's the third? The Rambam Shita. The name was Malachi. He was the third person. But um, the three different Shitas in Shainim. What's agreed to by everyone, he was the last Navi. <laughs> okay, so it's important to know. He had a really hard job, and I want to tell you what his job was. It was such a sad time for Israel. It was really, people do not realize that Bayesheni was not even a microcosm of Bayesheni. Bayesheni, the Romans were ruling it. It was really not how things were supposed to be. But let me tell you why. Israel reached an all-time low. If you read, say, from Malachi, you can go through this where Jews left their wives and went on to marry non-Jewish women. But what's interesting is, and we're going to try to answer this, when Malachi is screaming at them, this is a, people left their wives to go marry non-Jewish women. He's not even screaming about that. He picks like a little thing that they did wrong. And all the Mufarshim are like, that's your problem with them? They also brought Karbonus that were wounded... The Karbanas they brought, they did not have the proper respect for Karbanas. Now, I ask you, if you have a group of people that did these two Averis, left their wives and went to marry non-Jewish women, and went to, didn't have the proper respect for Karbanas, which one do you think the Navi would decide to expound on more? Yet the Navi is speaking just about the Karbanas now. We have to see why. Well, they dealt with the other part. I don't know if you know, Ezra Sefer took away everybody's money. And he said, if whoever doesn't divorce these, uh, would leave these women. It was a, this, you know, one of the beauties of Tyre is, is that it's not made up. 
and it's all real. One of the sad parts is that it's all real. And we share the... Uh, many religions only share about the positive and fun times. The Navi is, shares with us these very painful times. So this is what happened. Kaisal reached a very, very sad time. And HaKash Baruch Hu sends Malachi, whoever he was, to tell Kalah Yisrael, uh, specifically even the Kahanim, that things are going to be very, very bad for the people that are continuing to disregard HaKash Baruch Hu. And he promises those that will be good, there are good days, the sun is going to shine. Here's the question. The Navi starts with talking about Hashem's love for Yaakov, for Kal Yisrael. And that's a lesson, by the way, before you give anybody Musa, how do you start? I love you, but. I love you, but. Right? When someone tells you they love you, you just go away. That's, it's not going to be good. But that's what happens. This is the Navi's introduction. And we're going to see that what? And he tells Klai Yisrael, don't think I love you just because of who you are and who your grandparents are. Because I love Yaakov, but I don't like Esav. So hey, if it was just about Tzchosavos, they both had the same exact right parents. And that's how the Navi begins. Okay? And the Navi goes ahead and tries to inspire Klai Yisrael by reminding them of the love Hashem gave Yaakov. And the Navi then touches how Yaakov and Esau were born by the same parents, but what? Took a very different route in life. Does anyone still need to know the connection to Pastor told us? Or did you figure it out? So, good. I thought, I, I thought everyone would get it. Baruch Hashem. So, this is the connection to the Haftarah where the Navi is describing the difference between Yaakov and Esau. But again, there's a point here. The point is going many, many years later. Remember, as I always point out, that the Navi's coming years later. And it's telling you just like Yaakov and Esau were born and raised by the same parents. There was something underlying, under, the underpinning here was there's something over here that went wrong. That same problem surfaced years later where Malachi comes and tells Kalei Yisrael, look, you're acting like Esau. And that's why we'll see he chooses not the big crime, but the small crime, which is going to shed so much light how Esau wasn't stopped because Esau did something very subtle when he started. And that's going to be where he warns them and, he t- and Malachi tells Kalei Yisrael in the name of Hashem, you're heading to Esau'sville and who knows what happened to Esau. I sent him away to Harseir. I pushed him out of the Yerusha of Avram Yitzchak. He's not part of Eretz Yisrael. And if you will not stop what you're doing, unfortunately, you're going to meet that fate. So let me just read the first psukim, just so you could appreciate over here what's going on here. Maso devar Hashem. Well, Yisrael beyond Malachi. Now, what does the word Masa mean, by the way? I don't know where the word Masa comes from. A load. A load. To carry something to be nice. A Masa is a load. Why is it called a load? If you're going to see what he's going to say, you will know why it's called a load. Because when you have to go ahead and deliver harsh words to Kalei Yisrael by what? Warning them that if Chas V'Shalom, they don't fix their ways, what? That's a load. Nobody wants to deliver that load. Okay? That is what, um, that is what um, the Mepharshim explained, Masa means. Okay? It means that's just, it was a heavy thing to say. And it was a heavy thing to accept. You have to understand, when you see the word masa, 
Because usually it's not, it's not how we call a, a, a speech, right? Masa is a load in Hebrew. But no, no, no. This was Masa. This was a very uncomfortable conversation. Masa Dvar Hashem El Yisrael Biyad Malachi. And this is how he begins. And there's always a lesson. You always have to pay attention. Ahavti Eschem Omar Hashem. Hashem says, I love you. Omar Hashem. Right? And then you will ask the question. And you will ask, Why is it that you, that you love me? That you love us? Is it because of your yichus? Can't be. Esav was a brother, no Mashem. But Oyev is Yaakov, that's Esav Sanesi. Hashem is saying, don't think my love to you is guaranteed because you're a Ben Yaakov. Beautiful? He's bringing out something amazing. Don't take this law for granted. There's a relationship here. Don't think, I'm going to love you. We know with parents and children, at the end of the day, kids can do and do and do and parents love them. That's just how it goes. Proof? There's no kids out in the street. Otherwise, you walk through the streets today, you'd find many kids thrown out of the house. Parents still say, you know what? I like you anyway. But the Nubby's telling us it's not going to be guaranteed. I'll prove it to you. Don't come and say, but what do you mean? I'm Avram's grandson. I'm Yitzhak's child. No, because Esau didn't earn my love. But awesome as Har of Shmama, I gave him desolate mountains. Harseya, for those of you that want to visit it, nothing. What does the word lasanes mean? What does the word tanin mean? A snake. Mefarshim say, Hashem gave him areas with snakes and scorpions that you can't grow because they, they eat it all. And Hashem says, I gave him horrible things. <laughs> the Pasuk continues. Kisoymar, Edoim. If Edoim is going to come and say what? Rushashni. We become poor. Right? We were poor, right? And now, we're going to get rich by conquering Yerushalayim. We're going to go ahead and build up our cities. Hashem tells Kal Yisrael, I won't let them do that to you. They will build up their own land. I will what? I will destroy them. I won't let them take your money and what? They're not going to be able to build on your backs. And then Hashem says, You will see that what? You will all thank me and say, Wow, Hashem is amazing that He didn't allow them to build on our backs. Isn't this fascinating how the Navi starts? You have to, it's unbelievable. He's already speaking about when you will do good, I will make sure your enemies will not be able to build on you. Incredible? Now starts the Musa. And now it starts hard. And he's, and listen to the listen to the Navi. And he says, Ben Yechabinav. It is normal that a child respects their father. And it's normal that an Ebed Meadoinov is what? At least he's scared of his master. doesn't love him. Hashem says, I have nothing from you. I don't have the love of a father and I don't have the fear of a master. Im Avani Hashem says, I equate you. Where's my honor? Bim Adoinim, and if I'm what? I'm a master. Hi, Im Aroi, where's your fear for me? Om Hashem Tzvakas Dachem. And Hashem cries, Hakihanim Boise Shmi. The Gahanim that what? Embarrass me, Vamartem. 
And you're saying, what? How did you do it? He says, and you're all going to turn to me and say, well, what did we do? If you have had the opportunity to tell your child they're doing something wrong, what was the response? What did I do? Maybe not your children, other people's children. But other people that I've given germ to in the past, that's what they It's normal. I mean, obviously not my children, but other people's, right? And then Akash Baruch gets specific. And this is the part that's amazing. They were doing such a virus. But Akash Baruch chooses the most subtle, non-blatant Avera. And listen to this. Magishim al-Mizbechi lechem megoyal. You are bringing carbonos that are repulsive. And you're going to say, why is this so bad? When you say, Shulchan Hashem, Nivzehu. By the way, this was not explicit words. They didn't think it was worth splitting the carbonos. They had no, they didn't think it was worth checking the animals for the carbon. They were not doing, this was the least of their others. That's a question we're going to answer tonight. This is like, they didn't have respect for the base of Mikdash. By the way, I'm just curious. Does anyone know Pasha told us? Is this ringing a bell? About a fellow who is not quite interested and he, Ba'yivas Esav Asa Bechayra. When Esav's told he's going to be the Bechayra and bring Karbanas, Esav says, who needs the whole thing? No, is there any correlation yet? So you realize that we're echoing here when we're talking about Yaakov and Esav. I just couldn't wait. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to wait till the end of reading this, but I couldn't control myself. <laughs> Yaakov and Esav. Where is their difference? Esav says, Avedis Hashem, who needs this? Yaakov says, I'll buy it from you. Esav says, a good soup, it's all yours. What's the accusation of Kodesh Baruch Hu saying here? Something very subtle. You're You see the same word, Nivzahu, Vayibes? Okay? And then the Pasuk says something unbelievable. Because Bochu says, they brought Karbonis, blind animals, animals that limped, sick animals. The Chisagishun, Iverl is Bayach, Iverl is blind. Ain Ra is not bad. The Chisagishu Piseach, Vachayla, Ain Ra, you're going to bring sick animals? And listen to Hashem's question. Would you go ahead and bring this to a, a, a mortal king? Would you bring this to a king of flesh and blood? Yes or no? Then it says, And if you did want something from the king, would he give you something because you gave him some broken, lame animal as a gift? If you tried to accomplish to find favor in his eyes, do you think that would get you anywhere? No. And you think you're going to come cry to me? You understand? <laughs> From your hands came this embarrassment. Hashem says, you want me to respond in kind? You want me to give you what you're asking for when you don't care to even bring me a decent carbon? Interesting. And Really, it's um, the Pasik just goes on and on about how Kaiso doesn't care. And I'd like to really um, go f- further in the Psukim, but let me first speak about the first part and see if we have time to get to the end. So, I asked a few questions here that I want to. Um, so, first, I want to just kind of point out one fascinating thing how important Yaakov and Asif idea is. The Gemara lists off those 48 Nevi'im. Does anyone know? So Rashi on that Gemara says he only knows 46. Interesting. 
There's a Gemara and Megillah. So Ron, so the Mepharshim say, who's the other two? And the Marami Pano, when a great Mekubal says, the two were who? They were um, Shem Ve'ever. Okay? They had a yeshiva. You know who Shem Ve'ever was? This week's Pasha, they get famous. What happens? Rivka feels they're kicking. What does she do? She goes to Shem Ve'ever. So the first two Nevi'im are who? Shem Ve'ever. What's their Nevu about? Yaakov and Esau. Malachi's which Navi? The last Navi. The first Navi, Nebuah, Yaakov and Esau. The last Navi's Nebuah, Yaakov and Esau. Mm-hmm. Interesting? Mm-hmm. This is a major... Remember, because we're coming here to describe the essence of the difference to Yaakov and Esau. So something we have to recognize how important this is. Okay? Now, so question number one. Okay? As I mentioned... The Yalkum Yamloya says that the, the point that you have to recognize is the difference between Yaakov and Esau here was the embarrassing of the avoiding the base of Mikdash, which we have to get to. But the question that I've quoted before, I sort of Moshe Feinstein asks this question, Rabban Kotler asks this question. When you have Jews that are being so, so disconnected to the point that they're leaving their wives to marry non-Jewish women, you're going ahead as the Navi, this is all explicit in the Navi, these are all in the Psukim. You're screaming at them for bringing imperfect kabbonis? Is that a fair question? I think that question needs to be addressed. Okay? Another question. How do you have two brothers being raised by the same parents become so different? And that is what the Navi is going to explain. We will see. The Navi is addressing that question. Okay? Perhaps one more. The Gemara tells us that during the days of Ezra, when we returned back to Eretz Yisrael, we didn't have the same miracles that we had when we went into Eretz Yisrael the first time. And the Gemara says, why? Because the Gemara says that the first base of Mikdash, they built a chayma, a wall. The second base of Mikdash, the Gemara Numa says, there was no wall being built. What exactly does that mean? That there was no wall. They didn't build a wall around Yerushalayim. It doesn't say Yerushalayim, so they didn't build a wall. So I'd like to expound on, on that for a moment. Okay? So... There's a question. Um, there's the gematria of Esav. Okay, for a second, we go into the world of gematria for a quick minute. Esav is gematria 376. Interestingly, the word shalom, which is the last word I would give Esav, I'm just my personal thing. The Gemara says that he was a mass murderer and a lot of other things. But shalom also equals what? The Balaturim brings this down and many others. Uh, anyone curious why? So, it's very interesting that the Baal Turim says that this is um, the Makar that a person has to say Shalom even to a non-Jew in the street. Interesting. It's funny how the uh, Baal Turim says that. Uh, the Chidah says, if we want to get rid of Esav, when we find that we're suffering in the hands of Esav, how do we deal with it? When we have Shalom between us, that's how. That's why Shalom is the It's the solution. Not that he represents Shalom. And there's many, many other Shatim as to why. But I'll tell you what uh, What bothers me is, if you look at the Medrash, it says that the Gematria is 386. So that answers all our questions, right? I asked it, Esau's Gematria Shalom, 376. The Medrash says it was 386. So what do we do? We do the math and you see it's 376, right? So you have to understand something very important. Really, Esau's name is misspelled. Does anyone know why Esau got his name? 
What does Esav mean? Ready made. That word is Asui. How do you spell Asui? Ayin, Shin, Vav, Yud. That's his name. It's because it's name. So that's how much? That's 386. Baruch Hashem, it's not Shalom, right? Okay, so still have to explain this. So the Medrash is very puzzled. Where did that Yud go? Says the Medrash. Esav loses his Yud. Because he has nothing to do with the Aseris Adivris. So he loses his yud. That's what the message says. I'm where I started. I'm not any clear yet. But that's first let's get to the words and let's see if we can string this all together. So Esau loses a yud. Okay? This war between Yaakov and Esau, by the way, is... Uh, you ready for this? Yaakov's name was supposed to be what? In the cave of Esau. That's the heel, right? Akev doesn't have a yud in it, right? Yaakov gets an extra yud there. Okay? Where does that yud come from? So the Megal Amukah, it's one of the great Mekubalim, who we actually come from, says that Yaakov came and took that yud from Esau. And that's what it means. The yud is a chezes, is grabbing onto the Akev of Esau. The yud grabs onto the Yaakov. Now it sounds like it's just numbers, but we're going to get to the depth. Obviously, numbers are all accurate and true, but we have to understand what this yud represents. Okay? Now, the only question I have is if you take the yud and you want to do it to Akev, Yaakov's name should have been Akevi, not Yaakov. So why does the yud go to the beginning of the word? Okay? It's extremely important to understand. Okay? Now, um, where does the word Akev mean, heal? Where do we find this? Okay, if you go to Pasha's Akev, Okay, what does Rashi say? What is Akev Tishmon? Akev means a heel. Rashi says it means someone who is not careful and steps on a various. He says, eh, this is not such an important one. And he steps on it. Akev represents not being careful about what? Now, it happened to be Akev. What's the gematria of Akev? It's 172. Ayin, Kofvez. Actually, an easy one. When you go home and you'll count the words in the Aseris Adivris, you'll see there's 172 words. But that, so again, we have the Yud and the Akev, both being busy with Aseris Adivris. So what does all this have to do with us? So, what you have to understand is as follows. Okay? By the way, once we're talking about Akev, if it's funny, every time you see the word Akev in the Torah, you see the word Nachash. Because how do I know? It says the Nachash bites the Akev. What does it say by, uh, by Dun? It says, what is it? Pasha's voracious. It says that the nachash bit in the akev, bites in the heels. What does the heel represent? So we learned in Pasha's akev, it represents the not being careful. Taking things lightly, not having respect for something, is called akev. Rashi says the mitzvah that a person is dashed, steps on, ba'akevo, with his heel. Mm-hmm. Okay? So again, this idea we're saying about Esau being very not respectful to Torah mitzvahs, being mevazah kachim, is represented by a cave. Okay? Interesting, I don't want to go into this, but if you look at the par, as the Targum in this week's parsha that Esau was the ish yedeh it says he was the ish nachash, nachshirchan. So Esau had to do with the idea of biting into a heel. Now, 
just because I don't want to get into Parshas Barashas because everyone's going to make a mistake. This shop is at the table. You'll start talking about Parshas Barashas. <laughs> I want to get confusing. But what did the Nachash do? Did he tell Chava to do an exact Avera or did he play around with the fence around? He said, oh, Hashem said, remember he added, Hashem said not to touch. So that's the Nachash, okay? As a matter of fact, there's a medrash that says that snakes always hang around by fences, by gates. And it's because, and the manager says, why? Because the Nachash was the first one to break the barriers of the world that we put on as a Shmira. So, just so you understand, yes, there is a, um, um, that represents a snake. So we have here a idea that Esav, that Yaakov um, was being attacked by Esav on one level, not not to keep mitzvahs, but in the in the in the Gedarim. So let's go back now. We have a, a story where Kalal Yisrael is doing real Averis. And the Navi is not talking about those Averis. The Navi gets into what? Why aren't you being careful about the extras, the Chumras? You know why? Because if Esau had started off with a direct Averis, it would never have gotten that far. How did Esau fall? The, the Navi is wondering how Yaakov and Esau could be born from the same parents and come so far apart. You know what the answer was? It started with being bezoyin, being mevazah the mitzvahs. Esau wasn't explicitly doing anything wrong. He was like, eh, who needs that? Who needs that? That was the very Esau did back then. The Navi comes to Klai Yisrael years later. And he says, you think HaKadosh Baruch who loves you because you're the children of Ram Yitzhak and Yaakov? That's not it. How do I know? Because look at Esau. I don't love him. And the Nabi now warns, and we'll see if you have a few more minutes to see, you are going in Esau's footsteps. Not because you're leaving your wives and going to marry non-Jewish women. Because that could be stopped because it's blatant and open. There's an undercurrent of bizoyon, of embarrassing the avoid in the base of Mikdash. That is how Esau started. That's the beginning of the end. It doesn't start with going ahead and doing big averas. You know something? When a person does a big Avera, they know they're doing something wrong. Who is the most dangerous? Is the person that's what? That's subtle. Mm Do you know that in this week's parasha, Rivka has her children kicking? Very famous question. And when she walks by the base of Odezar, right? And when she walks by the shul, one child kicks. And she's really stressed out. And she goes to... Shame behavior. What do they say? It's two kids. She goes, oh, Baruch Hashem. She's so what just happens? You know, you have a son who's going to church. What exactly are you so happy about? The answer is, listen to this very deep thought, and this is exactly it. She thought she had one kid who was doing both. She said, that kid's hopeless because he's playing. It's subtle. And she says, a kid who's going to shul in the morning and going to the base of Azar in the afternoon, that's dangerous. She heard it's two kids. You know what? A kid who knows he's doing the wrong thing, that's he'll, he'll, he'll find his way back. Because the, the worst is when it's subtle and it's not explicit. The Novi is saying in the name of Hashem, the worst Averi you're doing is not the Averi you're doing. You know why? You'll do tshuva on those Averis. But that undercurrent, the lack of COVID for the Karbonus, that's what's taking you down the path of Esau. <laughs> The Yud 
represents before the Akev. The Akev, if you remember, we said was the 172 words. Yud represents the Shmira before the 172. The, the Menhagim. Tell you how I know this. There's one mitzvah in the Torah that says clearly, Hashem says, I'm putting it just as a fence. I don't know which mitzvah that is. It's not a problem in itself. It's just that this is going to bring you to another Avera. It's in Parashat Shaftim. Shalom told he should not take too many wives. What does the Pasuk say? Because they're going to turn your heart and take you away. What does Shalom say? Eh, it's not going to happen to me. And the Medrash says that the letter Yud comes to Kodesh Baruch Hu and says, Shleim HaMelech is just totally disregarding me. And there's a major discussion why the letter Yud. And Mepharshim tell us, because the letter Yud represents what in Hebrew? The future. Who knows what Oz Yashir means? Rashi in, in Pasha B'Shalach says Oz Yashir means it's the future. What's going on, Mashiach coming? Yud is the letter Yud is the guarantee that there'll be a future. And when he went ahead and he broke that barrier, you know what the letter Yud said? There's not going to be a future. Because if we don't keep the Gedarim, if we don't keep, not the actual mitzvahs, if we don't keep the walls, we're finished. And that's why the letter Yud, which represents the future. The Nobis coming to Klaishon says, the Averis, the terrible Averis that you're doing, you'll have hope. You'll come back. But the Aveira that you're dropping, the, 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 the Menhagim and the Chumras, that is what's going to destroy you. Who remembers the Gemara we quoted that says in Yuma that what was Klaishol's Aveira during the days of Ezra? They didn't build a Chaimah. They didn't build a wall. What does that Gemara mean? It's such a mysterious Gemara. They failed to build that wall, that fence around. That is the biggest problem. The Yud that Yaakov and Esav are fighting about is what? The Yud that the Megala Mukah says that Esau had a name was Asui. We take away the Yud and we give it to Akev to Yaakov. What's that Yud? That Yud is the guarantee that there'll be a Klai Yisrael. Yaakov's children are all what? We're still here to tell the story. Esau, there's not much left in Rome, last I checked. I mean, pasta, you know, there are things. It's not nothing, but there's nothing much left. But what happened? What happened is the guarantee is not there. I want you to know something. There's many contradictions. Whether You ever wondered, uh, it always confused me. It says that the Jews were in the 49th level of Tumah when they left Mitzrayim. Yes. Then it says the Jews were amazing. They didn't change. Remember, why did they get out of Mitzrayim? Because they didn't change their names, their clothing, and their language. Can you tell me how that works with the 49 levels of Tumah? Never thought about that? Great. If it doesn't bother you, great. We can go further. But if it does bother you, I'll give you the answer. Says the Meshachachma. Klaisrol was transgressing the main of Eris. But they kept the, the barriers. The language, the name, and the, uh, and the, the language and the name and the clothing, they were not the main things. Klaisrol's was they fell to the 49th level. But you know how they got out? They kept the exteriors that sometimes we don't value. What is it already? What does it mean? What is it? It's a lot. It's a lot. And that's what kept Kalah People always, when I say this, people look at me like, you sure? It doesn't make sense. And I give a marshal for it that I heard from a friend of mine once. Someone has a pearl necklace. Each pearl is worth $100,000. Very wealthy lady, obviously. All right, just $100,000 pearls, 20 of them. 
someone's really jealous, comes over with a scissor once when she's not looking, cuts, and all the pearls go flying. Anyway, they t- she takes the person to court, the cops come, the person says, no, how much, I'll pay you for the string. How much was the string worth? Hmm. I cut the string. I didn't touch the pearls. What would you say? You're not gonna want, you don't want to say what you would say, right? Let's leave it. But, but the person's right or wrong? The string is that. The pearls is the Torah mitzvah. What's the string that keeps it all together? So going back to understand what the Nabi's saying, let's answer the few questions that we started with. How do you have two brothers? The Nabi's coming to explain. How do you have two brothers, Yaakov and Esav? What went wrong? How did this happen? The answer is the subtleties. It started by Yivaz Esav and Sabachayra. That's a slippery slope. The Navi's turning to Klaishran saying, I'll look away from Yaveris. Akash Baruch is begging. Don't be mevaza the karbonus. Don't make light. Don't make cheap because that's the beginning of the end. Once you start with that, the, when you're bringing the karbonus that you don't care about, that's the entire battle between Yaakov and Esav with the letter Yud. The letter Yud. Yaakov Avinu sees that the Yud is being, Yud as we mentioned, what's the Yud? Is the, the Yud that came crying to Hashem that Shamelch is destroying everything. Because the Yud is the guarantee for the future. And the Yud sees that Esau is disregarding it. He's saying, this is not important, it's not important. He says, you're never going to have a good generation. So you're finished. You're, you're making cheap and light. Come. I want it. I'll take the Bechayr. The Bechayr shows the value for Kodesh Baruch Hu and his service. And guess what? The, um, the Bechayr is the future. It really is the future. Very good. Right now, the Kahanim are not. I didn't have the time, and I won't have the time. But if you go through on your own, the end of the Haftarah, it speaks about where it's having tainus on the Kahanim. The Kahanim is now, but as you just said beautifully yourself, the Bechayrim are going to be the ones that are going to come in the future, Be'ez Hashem. And that's a little bit of the connection, another connection between the parasha. So just, again, so we asked the question from Rav Moshe and from Baron Cutler, what was their question? The question was, why is it that you're choosing this to speak about? Because the Navi's goal is to keep Claudius all strong and faithful for the future. And which is more dangerous? Why is this so relevant? Because so many, so many people say what? You know, I'm keeping the thing. So I make a comment. So I'm a little bit chilled. I make fun of this and I make fun of that. People don't realize that that's, so, that's poison. That's the poisonous snakes. That's an ace of lot that the Navi says. I put him into an area that's shumming with snakes. Ace of's called the snake. The snake is the one that broke the first barrier in the world. He goes down in infamy. I remember the words of the Medrash that I taught. The Medrash says, why are the snakes always, interesting Medrash, check it out, they're always at the fences and at the borders because the snake responds because I broke the barrier of the world. I was the first one when Hashem said, don't go ahead and what? The Israel was, if you remember, don't eat. What did Hashem say? Don't touch. What did the Nachash do? He pushed Chava to touch and said, Chava, look, nothing happened. Go on ahead now and eat and nothing will happen. Of course, that wasn't true. So the whole chashivas that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in for a barrier, he went ahead. The, look at the Targum, the Shabbos. When you're looking, Esau is an Ish Sada, says the Medrash, says the Targum, in the Chumash. Ish Nachar Shichon. He's a snake, Esau. 
Esav goes ahead and tells you, oh, you're worried not to drink in the base of Mikdash because you might go, stop. Don't worry, these are all the extras that the rabbis are adding on. They're, they're not important. Esav made light of all those chumras. He didn't touch the Aserah Sederus. Matter of fact, some of the Farshim say, Esav says, Shalom, I'm at peace with the Torah mitzvahs. Just don't do any extras. Another reason why Esav and Shalom have the same gematria is, Esav said, fine, do what you have to. But it would bother him when people go the extra mile. That is the lesson. And that's what the Navi pleads with Kai Yisrael. And I don't have the time to read you the entire Navi. I'll just finish off. What? I'll just finish off with what the Navi says. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go all the way to the end. And the Navi pleads to the Kehanim. The last Perik Beis and on, HaKash Baruch Hu is complaining to the Kehanim. I don't understand. I expected so much more from you. You are the ones that are supposed to... Um, and listen to this. Look, literally, I'm going to skip to the last three psukim. It says, Berisi Hoysa Itoi. Kishbaru says, I made a pact with the heads of the Kahanim. Who's that? Aaron Apinchas. Hachayim Vihashaloim. Who remembers what was the gift that Pinchas got? Everybody, Parshas Pinchas. Hashem gave him as Berisi Shaloim. Why a Kahanim called Shaloim? Because they went ahead and they bring Shalom between a man and his wife. They bring Shalom when there's a, a man who accuses his wife. The Karban has proved the innocence. It brings Shalom between a man and Hashem and Klal Yisrael. And he says, I gave you a Chamesh of Edom Lebe Moira, Viyiruni, Umepnei Shemi Nachasu, Toiras Emes Hoysev Afiyu. And he's speaking about what the beauty of the Kahanam was, Va'ablanim Tzvasvasa. And the last Pasuk is, Ki Sivsei Koyin Yishmu Das. Kashbahu says that the Kahanim are bright and smart. We're going to come to you because you're the messengers of HaKash Baruch What's beautiful is, what was the beginning and the end of that Torah? Words of Chizuk. It starts with what? Kashbahu says how much he loves Yaakov Avinu and he finishes off telling him how precious the Kahanim are. So next time you give someone Musr, what's the trick? If the copy of the Nebim do, you start off with something, positive and then you say what you have to say you sugarcoat it and at the end you say and by the way i recognize how special you are it's easier said than done when you're angry right i don't want to come across that that's something we perfected here but it's just the navi does teach us that lesson so again that just answers at least the basic question again so what's the connection to the navi the yaakov and Esau, the same thing that went on back in the chumash that same thing is going on now in Kalei that there are people that what? The Kalei started becoming and guess what? The Navi is eternal and it's timeless. And it's talking to us today. You think it's a slippery slope. Remember the break happens when what? When we start being a little sketchy, you know, a little uh, you start scoffing and making a little it's a slippery slope. And that explains how you can have two brothers coming from the same home. And one goes there, one goes there. Because not because they kept a different Torah, but because those extra gedarim, those extra, the yud, that extra protection that went around. Esav said, I want to have nothing of it. And Yaakov happily grabbed it away from Esav and says, yud, I will guarantee the netzach Yisrael le'yishaka. I will make sure Kala Yisrael never leaves. Because of what? Because of the chumras and because of the extras. The second we decide that the extras, the things the Chazal added on are not important, that's when Kala Yisrael finishes. You don't believe me? 
go to history. Read a little history. See what happens to the Jews that decided, let's just keep the Chumash and let's not keep all the Drabanans. That idea was kept. It come, by the way, people don't read histories. Every hundred years, you have another group of people that come up with the same brilliant idea. Let's just keep the basic text and forget the extras. They're all, they're all not around to tell the story, unfortunately. Their children and grandchildren do not even know they're Jewish. It's right, it's sad. I'm not saying this as like a, wow, good for you. Please don't take that, though. I'm, I'm saying this with sadness, but this is the reality. This is where the essence where Yaakov and Esau differ. And Hashem should help us. We should stay focused and not, uh, and not lose the focus and the message of the Navi.